You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Before we jump into things, and trust me, lots to discuss on the James Harden front, He's officially opting out of his max deal, giving the Sixers some flexibility. We'll touch on that. Some targets that the Sixers might be looking at. Also, a pretty big trade in the NBA as well. So like I said, we'll jump into all that. But before we do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. We've got a ton of talented writers who have you covered on all things Sixers. Joining me for this episode, a free agency primer for the Sixers. Free agency officially kicks off on June 30th, which is Thursday at 6 p.m. Mr. Dave Early. Dave, we saw this news. So for those of you who don't know, James Harden opted out of his $47.4 million option for next season. Does intend to sign a new deal, although he technically could be a free agent and will be a free agent tomorrow. Uh, but again, looks like he's he's going to re-sign with the Sixers, uh, potentially on a three-year deal. That's what most of the reporting has been over the past few weeks. But looking at this day from, from your perspective, what does this mean for the Sixers? And and we were talking a little bit before we started rolling here. Uh, Derek Bodner, we saw the Daily Six. He put out, his, uh, put out a tweet that Brian Windhorst of ESPN reporting that we're looking at maybe somewhere in the mid-30s for Harden. So how does this open things up for Philly going into the kickoff of free agency? Uh, just a really, really good afternoon for Sixers fans, I believe. You know, there's precious few times where you could say this was a win, but this was absolutely a win. We heard all this stuff, you know, the rumors began back in March, I think, from Jake Fisher on your pod, or at least one of our Liberty Ballers pods, that this was an outcome that people expected and began the machinations of Daryl Morey and what he was able to do with it. You know, could he open up a max and bring on a guy like Bradley Beal was where we first started. And then after the last few weeks, it was kind of weird, wasn't it? It was like, well, he, everyone's saying he's going to opt in. That basically means that they do not have any wiggle room. If he signs a three-year deal, uh, they won't be able to open up those larger mid-level exceptions or the biannual exception. And the main thing they would be getting from him taking a three-year deal is like they can pursue a max contract in 2025. So I found it head scratching. We saw all that stuff about his willingness to help. And the team kind of didn't seem like they wanted to take him up on that. Kevin O'Connor even mentioned at one point ownership wants him to opt in because they really want him to take a shorter term deal. This is much, much better than all that. If he really winds up in those mid thirties, it means you don't have to trade Tobias Harris. And it means you don't have to salary dump guys like Matisse Seibel, Furkan Cork, Shake Milton to free up those larger exceptions that allow you to pursue a guy like PJ Tucker we keep hearing about and the 10 million three-year deal 30 total million over three years deal that he might get um Keith Pompey has been all over and maybe even a BAE um 
for around $4 million. These are projected because we learned today with Jake Fisher that there might be a cap spike and all those numbers are in flux. But for now, we'll go with approximations, 10 million and 4 million for an exception they could play with if James winds up in that. From Harden's perspective, it's kind of nuts because teams are capped at 8%. So if he does stick to a three-year deal beginning in around 36 million, he's only looking at like $120 million total. So if you're starting to hear these narratives that he was willing to win, there could be a lot of truth to that. Yeah, and that's that's something that I think people are pleasantly surprised to see that an NBA player, and again, we're talking about somebody, you know, maybe making $20 million when they're making like 150 day, that will never make sense to me uh, when it comes to NBA salaries. But uh, looking at this right now, like you mentioned, we're hearing that the cap is going to go up to roughly $123 million. That's up about $11 million from what it was last season. So that gives the Sixers some extra wiggle room. The key is that apron, right? The luxury tracks apron just south of $157 million. Now, again, based on those projections, like you mentioned, those numbers can change when the league officially releases all of the salary requirements for every NBA team. But looking at this now, like how much more flexibility does this give the Sixers, right? Because we're looking at this, and again, a lot of the reporting, and there tends to be where there's smoke, there's fire. Looking at this, that P.J. Tucker could be the guy that the Sixers use their non-taxpayer MLE, which is going to be roughly $10.5 million on. What else can the Sixers be looking at doing? And as you mentioned, guys like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Korkmaz obviously struggled last season, uh, wasn't particularly great, but Matisse Thiebel, we can give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, you know, things got to him with the vaccination status, not being able to play in Toronto, maybe, you know, couldn't find his footing, whatever it is, but he still has value, right? You don't want to just be dumping a guy who's an all-defensive uh, second-team, first-team type talent, even though you are bringing in De'Anthony Melton, who has some of the same traits as as Matisse. So how much more flexibility does this give Daryl Morey going into the opening of free agency? Tons. I mean, your starting point as a default. Our status quo for the last few weeks has been like, he's going to opt in, he's going to get $47.39 million, uh, and then he'll end up somewhere in the $150 million range over three. The best they could have done that we were expecting there is the taxpayers, Emily, which is around 6.3. That's probably not enough from what we're hearing for a guy like PJ Tucker. Maybe you could get a guy like Daniel House for 4 million and then reserve the, the other 2 million to go into the season with a little bit of flexibility in case down the road there's a buyout candidate. And then maybe a vet floor $1.8 million contract. So that was your starting point yesterday. Um, and it wasn't very sexy. You were looking at trading these guys like Korkmaz and Thibault, no wiggle room at all. Now there's potentially quite a bit. If you're willing, if you're comfortable to plug Tucker in based on reporting to the larger exception for 10 million, now you're thinking about what you might spend with the biannual exception as well. And then you're wondering, Kyle Newbeck has a tweet. Uh, I think, what did he say? Something essentially amounting to that there is the possibility for sign-in trades because what he's hearing is, they're still not looking to simply salary dump guys like Korkmaz. And you mentioned Thibel. He's a useful player, and I'm sure Darren Morey and Elton Brand value him higher than some frustrated Sixers fans will because, you know, it's been reported that they're valuing him on the market like the two-time all-defensive team player that he is and that some of, the, some of what they believe his struggles were related to was the fact that he couldn't play in Toronto because of the vaccination thing, so maybe – with a more full-time role, with more rhythm, for it has been mentioned that he hadn't had a full off-season to work on his game in the last couple of years because of the pandemic and then eventually playing in the Olympics. So maybe they 
would be comfortable enough going into the year with him that they don't have to take a big hit selling low in a trade. It makes him still expendable. You mentioned the Anthony Melton. So I do think they will continue to shop him and Korkmaz. But that, that phrase that Kyle Newbeck used, possible sign-in trades, is pretty intriguing to me. Dave, we, we talked about this, you know, on the podcast network, you had Rich Hoffman of The Athletic on talking about this stuff as well. Uh, Brian Toporek, who is a contributor to Forbes, now joining our team as well at Liberty Ballers as a contributor, doing a great job breaking down the salary cap. So check that out at libertyballers.com. Uh, looking at this, though, Dave, like you mentioned Kyle Newbeck of the Philly Voice reporting earlier that the Sixers might look at some sign-in trades. Is there any targets out there that you're looking at that might be available that you think would be a good fit on this squad? I, I do like the idea of TJ Warren. I don't think that they're going to be able to afford him. If you had to make me guess, I say he gets more than $4 million for sure. But if you do start to get into that sign and trade and the Sixers have something going for them, they could say, Hey, do you want to come be our starting small forward? Um, and that's, that's a possibility here. If depending on who's traded, I mean, I don't know that DeAnthony Melton's going to start. So if they do have Tucker, I would guess that they slide. Tobias Harris over to the three. But regardless of all of that and those moving parts, they could turn to a guy like Warren and say, we, we've got like 28, million, uh, 20, 28 minutes to offer you here. We have a very big role. They really, really, really need a wing, someone that they could credibly allow to defend a guy like Jason Tatum. Not that they could stop him, but they need someone that they could even sensibly say, please try. Um, so I do think that they'll be looking in the, the wing range that has been Quite a few names thrown out there. Our Jackson Frank has done an excellent job keeping up on that. He talked about guys like Wes Matthews. He talked about the Martin twins. One of them happens to be on Miami with P.J. Tucker, one on Charlotte. Um, Gary Payton Jr., he might be out of their budget at this point, unless you're throwing out the possibility of signing trades as well. But, you know, quite a few names out there now that they could play with that they have this wiggle room. Yeah, Dave, and, and, and looking at this too, like – this, like you mentioned, it opens up a ton of room for the Sixers. If he if he settles on a contract somewhere around $35 million, again, not saying that's been reported anywhere, just a ballpark figure for you. Like you mentioned, that leaves them some room as well that they can possibly make some in-season moves and, and not be worried about going over that apron. Um, that is obviously a no-no when it comes to the NBA salary cap requirements. Uh, going back to P.J. Tucker, though, looking at this, right, 37 years old, a very, very good player you know what I mean three and D guy tough as nails love what he brings to every team he's been on was a teammate of Harden's during his time with the Rockets does that deal scare you at all because it seems like obviously they're marrying him and Harden's deal together if Tucker does get the three years at, at around 30 million that you know Harden presumably going to sign for three years as well but is that a contract you'd be willing to take on maybe by year three when, you know, Tucker's 40 years old? Like, is is that going to make sense from a Sixer side? Or is this basically, hey, we're going all in on this for the next couple of years we got in prime Joel Embiid at 28 years old. We hope that we get all-star Harden for at least a couple more seasons. And this is where our championship window lies right now. Yeah, if you ask me to give you like a thumbs up or a thumbs down on that, I, I would go a thumbs up and... For one, I would say that the value that he performed at, that Tucker performed at in the playoffs this May, was beyond a $10 million player. I think he was really valuable in playing 40 minutes in the second round in the conference finals at times, right? But he's a plug-and-play guy with lots of high, deep into the playoffs experience. The Sixers lacked that. They just lost three rings going out the door with Danny Green. He's got one. Maybe you kick him in an extra $1 million into the calculus because 
Joel Embiid, who you haven't always listened to very carefully in terms of his preferences, named him by name. I think that Harden doing this makes a lot of those concerns that some of us had a lot more palatable, right? Mm-hmm. And if, if there's wiggle room, if it's not going to hard cap you, I think that that makes a, an offer like this much more worth it. Yeah, you're worrying about it when he's literally 40 years old and you still owe him $10 million. But that's Joel Embiid's age 28, 29 through 31 seasons you're talking about here. And if you just want to go all in for those, I don't think many people would fault you. The, the, the only question is, what else could you get? Is there another guy out there in the same price range that would be better? And that's what complicates it. Yeah, and looking at that, even like the, the biannual exception, like that opens it up. And if Harden is roughly, like I said, around roughly 35 million, gives the Sixers the option of using both of those and not having to worry about going up against the apron. And, and so is there any targets that you like out there, Dave, that might be available at that roughly four and a half million dollar range that they can maybe bring in a veteran guy to help round out the bench, which we know was a major issue, not only throughout the season, but as we got into the playoffs and especially that second round against Miami and looking at it, you know, from the perspective of what these championship teams are, or the teams that played in the finals and in the final four, the depth that they have, we see that the Sixers, that obviously has been a major issue. So is there a potential player you're looking at at that four and a half million dollar, like I said, range for the, for the BAE that you think makes a ton of sense for this roster? I, I guess I was persuaded by Jackson Frank's writing. I do like Wesley Matthews. You might need to give him a little bit more than these vet men's that he's played on to get him to leave his hometown and a championship contender. I don't think he he's a guy that they would feel really uncomfortable with the, the shooting concerns are there. I mean, this is still a team where the last we saw them play, right. Joel Embiid's getting double and tripled teams were comfortable that they could make it back out. So they still really need a shooter. People have mentioned Daniel house in that regard. People have mentioned Ben McElmore, although he doesn't give you much else besides shooting. Um, if there's some way that they could cobble together an offer for Eric Gordon, you know, Daryl Morey would be, interested to at least explore that option that's a much higher end of the spectrum um we did see contavious caldwell pope get traded earlier um that's a guy that i was looking at for the sixers but for these smaller exceptions it's tough right because there's not a lot of guys you, patty mills is a name some people are, are looking at but that doesn't make a ton of sense to me because he's not he doesn't fill that wing void that the sixers have and he might have declined that $6 million option he had because he already knows he's going to get more. Are there any names that you've heard that, you're, that you've thought about besides maybe the Martin Twins? Yeah, I, I like the Martin Twins. Those are, those are the guys you mentioned. I, I do like Patty Mills for the sense that you need somebody to come off the bench and give you some scoring still, right? Even, even with Melton, as, as good as he is in the open court, as good as he can be in terms of defensively, I don't think he's a guy who's a creator for you who's going to be consistently giving you that without Harden or Maxi or even Joel on the floor. So I, I know you're saying Patty Mills might not make sense, but to me, he's a guy I'm looking at like, Hey, you know what, if he's able to, if this guy's able to, to give you 10, 12 points a game off the bench, I think he would be a great target. And th- that kind of leads to my next question for you, Dave, looking at this right now. Uh, what is the still, I mean, obviously wing depth is, is imperative for the Sixers. I think it's imperative for any team in the NBA, given the way that the game is played now, but uh, what else do you think the Sixers need to address at this point in order to round out their form to, again, not just be a second round exit, but a potential finals team next season? Yeah, I think they've, they're they getting close to addressing the dog that everyone says they need. If you're plugging in Melton, for sure, he fills some of that. If you're plugging in Tucker, 
absolutely gives you that. Yeah. Yeah, he does. But you're still, you still need snipers. I think you mm-hmm. still need guys who, when they, you could put out there with James Harden and give them a lot of space around the pick and roll that he's going to be running with Joel Embiid as the bulk of the, you know, that's their biggest weapon. One of the best weapons in the NBA. And you, it's tough when you have a guy like Matisse Seibel sitting there and defenses are completely ignoring him, knowing he's probably not going to shoot a wide open corner three. And if he does, we like our chances. And so I start to think about the Dallas Mavericks. If you, I don't know if you ever played poker, but mm-hmm. if you, if you're sitting there with like a big stack of chips and you lose half of it, maybe that's how they're feeling after the, the Jalen Brunson news, you start playing more aggressively. Maybe they're looking to recoup some of the value they lost with uh, Brunson. And so would you, would you explore ways to land Tobias Harris or Matisse Thibel or a couple of those guys and replenish the coffer, so to speak? Yeah, that's, and I think that's the key too. And you mentioned another guy, I just saw Harrison Grimm tweet about it too, Otto Porter, actually with the BA, yeah. a, a very good target there too, where again, these guys aren't going to completely change the, the season around. And, I, and I'm with you on that too. Like if you're willing to give up a little bit but you're having you're having the space, like you mentioned. We don't know what's going to happen with Brunson yet. Uh, reportedly, now going to meet with the Mavericks, the Knicks, and the Miami Heat as a potential dark horse suitor for him as well. So again, lots of drama between now and six o'clock tomorrow. Um, looking at this, Dave, you mentioned Tobias Harris as a potential trade option for Daryl Morey would free up thirty-seven million dollars for next season, thirty-nine for two years from now. Uh, well, let's jump into that. And like I mentioned off the top, a big trade in the NBA as well sees a former all-star get moved. Uh, let's jump into that after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Dave, we're back. Uh, Talking again a little bit before the break there about Tobias Harris. Uh, We read that the Orlando Magic, a potential landing spot for him. The Sacramento Kings now we've heard are a potential team that might be interested in him. How likely is it that you think that Daryl is able to move Tobias Harris? And really looking at this, Dave, because again, Sixers fans, Tobias Harris has been polarizing right for a while. He's a very good NBA player, puts up good numbers, just isn't worth his contract. So when you're looking at the option to trade Tobias Harris to not only free up some money, maybe bring in some more depth. Like, do you think that is possible at this point for Daryl Morey? And the second part to that question is looking at what Tobias brings. Would you be willing to move on from that just for the added flexibility or is he worth keeping? Cause like we mentioned, the Sixers championship contention window is now. Yeah. I believe that the status quo is that he's, they really would really would like to trade him if possible, but that um, it's, it would have been so difficult to do the, that the offers that they would have had to do would have made Daryl Moore say, you know what, let's just go into the year 
and see how things shake out by Christmas. But now with extra wiggle room, I think the chances of Harris being moved actually go up a little bit because they can be more discerning now. They can be more comfortable, which means they might actually hear some offers they like um, and would be more willing to pull the trigger on one. People have already been throwing out there, like, is there some way you could wrangle Reggie Bullock from the Mavericks? You know, there's lots of players where they who make if you just get a couple three and D wing players from the team, some people have mentioned like Harrison Barnes plus Justin holiday mm-hmm. uh, as a combo that they could target. So I don't know what it would look like, but I feel like if you, there's such a sigh of relief, Daryl is able to breathe now with James Harden's decision that everything he does is going to feel a little bit more comfortable doing. He mentioned that Harris Harrison Barnes contract and looking at that as a potential fit with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, he has only one more year left on his deal, only for about $18 million. So again, the Sixers would have to make it work cap-wise, although the, the, the Kings do have a little bit of space. But does Daryl have a lot to work with? They, we know that in terms of future picks, they don't have a ton. We know next season that pick goes to Brooklyn, 2025 goes to OKC. Um, looking at, you know, 20, they can't trade, I believe, in the, the 2027 goes to Brooklyn. So there's all these de- de- little details because of the Stepien rule. Like what else can the Sixers offer other than Matisse at this point as a sweetener for a team to maybe take on an unwanted or bloated contract? Uh, not much. <laughs> uh, I don't know. J- Jaden Springer? Yeah. Isaiah Joe? Uh, Charles Bassey, I think Matisse is pretty much their sweetener after the the twenty the number twenty three overall went out the door with with De'Anthony, for D'Anthony Melton, right? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my buddy texted me this and he was like, you know, if we want, he's a Knicks fan. If we were going to take Tobias Harris, what could you sweeten it? I was like, I just sent him a photo of uh, Matisse and Furkan, and I said that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's all. That's all they really like. I said that's all they. They really have at this point uh, looking around the rest of the NBA Dave like I mentioned a big trade happening the Atlanta Hawks getting Dejounte Murray uh, the Spurs in return get Danilo Gallinari three first round picks two of those I believe are going to be unprotected later on down the line and then a future first round pick swap as well so you got the Hawks trying to load up around Trey Young they got a good good young team too DeAndre Hunter John Collins might be moved to we don't know what's going to happen there but also looking around the rest of the Eastern Conference, right? You got the Hawks now looking to make a jump. Obviously, the Boston Celtics, as constructed, are still going to be very good next season. The Miami Heat, depending on what they do this offseason, still have a ton of talent there. When you look at where the Sixers fit in the pecking order, and again, after you know looking at this trade, we're going to see a ton of movement between the time we're recording this podcast and come time for Thursday. Like I said, by 6, 7 p.m., the whole landscape of the league can change. But where do you... Where do you think the Sixers are right now in terms of the pecking order? Now that we know that they got Melton, uh, potentially, and again, looking like P.J. Tucker, going to be another guy that they're going to get. When you add these two players, and you mentioned they're losing Danny Green, a guy who's not going to be available until February or March, likely next year anyways, after that horrid knee injury that he suffered against the Heat. So like, where do you put the Sixers right now in the Eastern Conference pecking order? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I guess you would start with the Celtics and Bucks. And I, I see that Vegas has the Brooklyn Nets and Miami Heat still above the Sixers. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's safe to feel the distance between the Sixers and that second tier has closed a little bit today because they're going to have more wiggle room. The Heat are going to perhaps lose P.J. Tucker without these 
you know, I, you never want to rule out Pat Riley, but like if Kyrie Irving went and took an MLE to play for the Lakers, you'd be really worried as a Sixers fan that somehow Durant winds up in South Beach. Um, you always have to worry that someone's going to wind up in South Beach because I think a lot of players want to live there. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a high ceiling for the Heat. There's usually a pretty high floor, but I do think that the Sixers could overtake one of those teams. Maybe something doesn't work out with the Nets. Maybe something doesn't work out with the Heat. Maybe Joel Embiid stays healthy and hard and looks much better, and they're just simply better. Um, so I guess I, I have the Sixers somewhere between the third and the sixth team in the conference. So if you wanted to say like the fourth or the fourth and a half, I would feel good about that. And we'll see what they can, what else they can pull off here. Yeah. And, and you mentioned, like you, like you said, uh, you know, the teams that we're mentioning, I forgot the Bucks, right? They got Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah. arguably the best player in the NBA. Um, so they're going to be a handful too. And, and with Chris Middleton back and healthy next season as well. Cause to me, yeah, Dave, how, uh, how high do you think they could have went if Middleton was healthy these playoffs? I, I think they, they likely beat, Boston, to be honest with you, I mean, yeah. as good as as good as the Celtics were, like the the, the Bucks as constructed. Obviously, it's like you, you put the you put the Sixers in that situation in a game seven. You're rolling without James Harden at that point. Your second best player, you know, you can even say Tyrese Maxey, throw him up there too. It's like, yeah, that makes it pretty damn difficult to win. And so that that that's where I'm looking at this. Like, Maury's got to make these moves to catch up with those teams, right? And again, you have a guy like Bradley Beal opting out of his deal. Who knows what the hell he's going to do? He's eligible to sign a five-year extension with the Wizards. Let's say he somehow figures out a sign-in trade, goes to another team in the Eastern Conference. That bumps him up. You know what I mean? So for me, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it from Maury's perspective. Like, dude, we got to catch up to these Milwaukee's, the Boston's. Brooklyn, again, that could be a sideshow with Kyrie next year. I know you covered them a lot for, for clutch points last season. Like, there's so many different things that have to play out here. But if you look at as things stand, given the fact that we know the high-end talent that the Celtics have with Tatum and Jalen Brown, uh, we know that they have, you know, Robert Williams, obviously the, the man in the middle as their defensive stopper. Then you got the Bucks as the guys we mentioned, Giannis and Middleton. They got Jeru Holiday. There's there's so many good teams in the Eastern Conference that Daryl's got to figure out a way to close that gap. And again, these little additions that they're making, like getting Melton. Hopefully getting P.J. Tucker, who I think is a big addition, uh, obviously not in terms of being a superstar, but a big addition for what the Sixers need. I think all that is that's got to be the focus going into Thursday. Yeah, Daryl gave I think it was around Christmas. Daryl gave an interview with uh, poker player Annie Duke, mm-hmm. and he basically said, like, if you want to be the best of 30, it's basically, you know, the Ricky Bobby. It's you're either first or last. You need to inject a lot of variance. You need to inject much more risk and do sort of ridiculous things more so than teams are currently do. So knowing he said that very recently and knowing all that you just described about this ridiculously difficult um, Eastern conference, or even like the Cavaliers and the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks will be vying for a playoff spot. Um, It's going to be a deep one through 10 in the East, the Sixers, if you want to be the best of that, and then maybe get through a team as good potentially as the Warriors or the Clippers, or who knows what else a few other teams will do once Jamal Murray is back healthy and come come the finals, you might need to hit a grand slam on Joel Embiid being an MVP candidate, Tyrese Max taking another leap, James Harden being healthy, PJ Tucker having more in the tank, and then another guy like TJ Warren on a $4 million BAE playing like he once did years ago, or a guy like Victor Oladipo turning back the clock. So I think you need to take a big swing with some, with some very few swings left, but at least James Harden gave him the chance to the chance to try 
Dave, this podcast is only going to be sitting at the top of the feed, let's be honest, because we're going to have major news breaking tomorrow as well. Uh, what do you think happens on on, on Thursday as we, as we get to that 6 o'clock opening of, of the negotiation period? Which, let's be honest, Dave, we know that all these deals are going to be made at some point tonight and early tomorrow morning before Woj and Shams and these guys start breaking all this stuff as we get closer to that time. But, you mean they don't wait till the deadline? No, no, yeah, 250. We'll see it at 559, 558. Five, we'll start seeing all this stuff trickling yeah. out. So we know that these deals are being made uh what do you ultimately outside of the pj tucker thing which has had the most traction over the last week or so in terms of him ending up in philly what what else do you think the sixers end up doing and if there are free agents out there like you have to give your top two or three that are most likely to join the sixers as i said outside of pj tucker who are they i guess the most likely would be house because he's he's they're going for the 2023 Philadelphia Rockets, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he's the guy that you could actually target and only use some of your BAE. I don't know if you're allowed to, to divvy that up the way you are in MLA. I'm not a cap whiz like our Brian Topreg, and that's a huge win for us, by the way. Um, the Sixers take a discount, and we get this guy on the same day. So we had to do a little tampering to onboard him, but that's huge, and I'll ask him some of these questions because I'm not sure how they could do it. Um, Predictions, man, I don't know. I have no clue what they're going to do. I do think they're going to try to swing big, so I guess they'd go for a guy who fits the profile of uh, of TJ Warren, where you think if he's right, if he is healthy, he could be much better than we've seen last. Yeah, and, and and I'm I'm excited to see what Maury does again. I'm not I'm sure he didn't wholeheartedly, you know, wholeheartedly was the one that convinced Harden to take less. I think that was something that Harden knew that at this stage of his career, if he wants to cement himself, he has to win a championship. He's still going to be considered obviously one of the top 75 of all time. Um, so he's kind of you know stamped himself amongst the all-time greats, but in order to get into that classification of winning a championship, I, I think this is a, a great move for him, for the for the Sixers, and a great move for us at Liberty Ballers, Dave. You know why? Because now we're going to have some good content coming out over the next couple of days, Dave. I want to thank you for joining me on this one. Thank you for all the work you've been doing on the podcast network as well, and, and looking forward to continuing to do this more as the offseason wears on and, and we get into next year. Thank you. All right, that's Dave Early. You can check out his work at libertyballers.com. That'll wrap up for this episode, your free agency primer going into Thursday. As I mentioned at the top, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Always appreciate a five-star review if you're inclined to give us one. And of course, as I mentioned, Dave, Paul Hudrick, Brian Toporek, Jackson Frank, Sean Kennedy, Steve Lipman. We've got a ton of talented writers at Liberty Ballers. We're going to have you covered through every move and everything going on throughout the offseason. So like I said, don't forget to check us out there as well. That'll do it for this episode. I'll be back with Paul Hudrick on Thursday, giving a full recap of what went down for the Sixers. We'll do some emergency pods as soon as we get some news breaking that they are making a move. So we're going to have you completely covered wall to wall with what happens in the Sixers in free agency. Tune in next time.